Good morning, good morning, good morning, Word of Truth Ministry family. God bless you. Again, like I say, we made it through another amazing week. God is good. We all still are healthy. We still have breath in our body. We can still see, we can hear, we can taste. We just want to give God the honor and glory for another opportunity to just give Him worship and praise. Even though we may not be in a building right now, we may be doing this via the internet, it is another opportunity for us as believers, as children of God, to get in the presence of the Most High God. I just thank you for the opportunity today because you could have been watching anybody, but you chose to watch this one here today. And we just want to give God the honor and praise. The one thing we always do here is we talk about what we believe. See, we believe in the entire Bible at this ministry from Genesis to Revelation. We do not compromise God's word at all. Uh, we come from Revelation 22 and 19, which talks about, and if anyone take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life and from the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. See, at the Word of Truth Ministry, we believe that the Bible, it builds faith, which empowers purpose. Now, what is our confession of faith here? If you have your Bibles or whatever you do to actually look at the Word of God today, please read behind me. Uh, I want you to make sure that you have a Bible or some way to listen to the words I'm talking about. Now, today I will be talking about a group of chapters in order to talk about a story. But you can still follow me in that because I want you to make sure that you verify the things I'm saying are actually coming from the word of God. I mean, trust, but verify. Here we go. Our confession of faith. If you have your Bibles today, please raise them up and repeat after me. This is our Bible. We believe every word from Genesis to Revelations. We live by it. We confess it, we trust it, we're led by it, we stand on it, in Jesus' name, amen. The name of today's message was, is uh, pretty interesting because I was, uh, last night and the last few days I've been studying and I guess last night in the midnight hour, God actually gave me my message and I was like, Lord, really? I mean, <laughs> we had a whole week, but God's going to do what God's going to do. So the name of the message is, stand your ground, your blessing is coming. Keep your faith in God. So when you think about the annotation of stand your ground. This is not the stand your ground law that we're talking about. But we're talking about standing our ground that when things come in our lives, that we stand our grand ground in the faith of God, knowing that at the end of the day, all things are going to work to the good. So for when I'm looking back over my life, I have I asked God, why me? I, I look because there are many reasons when I look at myself, I'm trying to figure out why would the Lord use me? Well, it goes back to this. When I, I realized that I was a child, I was not the most obedient child. I wasn't a terrible child, but I wasn't the most obedient. I was very deceptive in some of the things that I did, and I definitely was rebellious as a teenager. But I asked God still, Lord, why would you use me? I, I look over my life and I realize I am not a perfect being. I've made many mistakes in my life, but God still chose to use me. 
See, I, I don't always say the right things or, or do the right things. I, sometimes I get a little frustrated with people. Sometimes I can pop off at somebody, but God still used me. I, I get angry, and sometimes if you know me, I can be very argumentative at times because I want to make my point known at the, at the problem of somebody else. But these are all things I realize that make me imperfect, and I'm still trying to figure out why God can use me. See, I don't feel qualified for the position or for the authority that God has given me because I don't think that I lived a worthy life. So when I look at the imperfections of my life, sometimes I have to go back and ask God, why me? See, I don't always trust and follow God's direction because sometimes I'm just a knucklehead and I don't want to hear the voice of God. Or if I hear the voice of God, sometimes I just do my own thing. Yet God used me and God can use you. See, none of us, none of us have a perfect life but only with the exception of Christ. See, when I look over my life and I evaluate my, my life from my viewpoint, I am amazed at the many blessings in my life that God has bestowed upon me. See, I'm not talking about these financial things. I'm talking about peace and the ability to do things that God has put in me to do. I'm talking about the ability to help others, whether it be financially, spiritually, emotionally, counseling, whatever they need. God has given me that ability to do. I'm talking about God has blessed me with a great relationship with my wife. I, God has given me wonderful children. God has blessed me with loving friends and family. God has just given me good health. I look back over my life and I say, Lord, why me? So as I was studying, I realized God uses imperfect humans to do his divine work. What we have to do is, regardless of how we feel about ourselves, we are none of us are worthy, but we have to stand our ground because our blessing is coming if we can keep our faith in God. See, examples of some of the patriarchs in, our, in the word that were not perfect, but God had a perfect plan for their lives. For example, we look at Abraham. Abraham lied, lied to King Amalek about his wife, Sarah, uh, being his sister. But yet God blessed him with a son in an old age, God made a covenant with him that Israel is still working and living out today. Moses killed a man in anger, but God still used him to deliver the Egyptian, the uh, Israelites out of Egypt. God presented Moses the laws. David committed adultery and murder and envy and one sinful act. But God said that David was he, he loved David. God united the tribes of Israel under David. And David wrote some psalms. See, none of these men, if you look at their resume, was perfect. But God used them in the divine way for his kingdom. I'm telling you today, saints of God, stand your ground. Your blessing is coming if you just keep your faith in God. See, many times we give up on things because they're hard. We, we feel unworthy or we just get tired. For example, people sometimes aggravate us. And sometimes when somebody aggravates us, we say, I'm going to cut them off or they're dead to me. They no longer exist. We can't have that attitude. We got to stand our ground and keep the faith. Even if we leave them and we don't necessarily deal with them, we got to deal with them in love and the departure of the whole thing. That maybe one day they will come back to us. And in that we can share God's relationship and share God's promises and share the love of God with them. We can't give up on anybody. We got to stand our ground because sometimes those people are in our lives in order to get to us to the purpose that God has put in us to fulfill. Jobs. Boy, I know I've had many jobs in my life. And I've had many positions, some I liked and some I disliked. But when I look back over my life, I realize some of the jobs I had, even though I hated them, they were there to help me become who I am today. 
Sometimes we run away from those things or those jobs that God gives us after we ask for those jobs. And we don't realize that we let we leave in too early, that we need to stand in that job and watch God do the things he needs to do in us to mature us and grow us for the position he really has for us. We need to stand our ground. Keep the faith. And a lot of times when things happen, we look at our lives and we say, Lord, I, I can't walk with you anymore because I realize when I try to do right, I, I do wrong. Or when I think about this and my thoughts are not right. And we look at ourselves in such a way that we cannot say God can use us or we can't be in the kingdom because we're per- imperfect. But like I'm explaining to you, none of us are perfect. God is looking at each and every one of us and he's looking at our hearts and he can use our imperfections to make the kingdom of God perfect. Galatians 6 and 9 says, do not let yourself get tired of doing good. If you do not give up, he will get that you will. We will get that is coming to us at a right time. I'm telling you today, God, today that God has a plan for your life, even if you don't even see the plan. God still has a plan for your life. You get to stand your ground. Your blessing is coming. Keep your faith in God. See, we're going to talk about today. We're going to go from Genesis chapter 27 to 32. So bear with me. I'm trying to get through this as fast as possible without me missing the meaning. It is a wonderful story. And if you hear me lately, you know, I like to read a lot. I think I was reading this and I was for the last if you put the hours in probably about 20 hours in the last three to four days. I was just reading and reading. There's so much information out there about these scriptures and all the things that were taking place. But I'm going to try to give you kind of a clip note briefing of what was going on in order to get to the point that I think God has. Now, when you look at these scriptures between Genesis, really it's right, 25 and go to Genesis 33 or 34. There's some main people I want to talk about. Here are the main characters in here. You have Isaac, uh, the son of Abraham. You have Rebecca, Isaac's wife. You have Esau, uh, Isaac's oldest son. You have Jacob, the baby son. You have uh, Rachel, Laban, Leah. And they talk about, for most theologians, there's a, uh, a guy that wrestles with, uh, with Jacob, and we call him, they believed him to be an angel. So let's just start this. So when you start in verse uh, 27, let's, let's give you a background history. So what happens is uh, Isaac has a lot of similarities to his father. If you look at the story of Abraham and you look at the story of Isaac, you can see that God told Isaac to leave. And when he left, he went down to Gerah, I think it is. And when he got to Gerah, he realized his wife was beautiful. So he did the same error that his father did. He told the people of Gerah that this was his sister and they took her. And the thing about it was, unlike uh, the king uh, Abinak, what happened with this situation was God spoke to the king and told him that he better not touch her. In this situation, as he was walking away or walking with his wife, the king actually saw him. And when he saw him, he saw their relationship or their affection and realized that was no longer that was not his sister. And then he called him in and he explained to him, you can't do this to us, almost like what happened before. And then he told everybody in the city and town, listen, if you touch this woman, you will die. If you touch him, you will die. So that's part of the story. So here it goes, just like his, uh, Abraham. His father and his mother, Sarah, his wife was barren. <clears throat> she couldn't have children. So Isaac reached out to the Lord and he petitioned God for a child. And God gave him a child and actually gave him children. And it was funny that while he was pregnant, his wife uh, started to have some problems and she couldn't feel, figure out what was going on. It was like something going on in her stomach. It was like a toil. So what she did was she sought the Lord like, Lord, what is going on? And in seeking the Lord, what God explained to her that in her belly was two different nations. They were two different people. They were going to be different. And she told, God told them and set this story up that the older was going to be rude or be, come under the younger one. So here we are. This is the story of uh, Isaac, Jacob and Esau. 
So now you go to chapter 27 and when you go on chapter 27, you see what happens is it starts to talk about the stolen blessing. But if you also go back to chapter 25, you'll see at the end of it that Isaac was actually making some potted meat and his brother Esau came in from the field because you got to understand the difference between a birthright and a blessing. And what happened is he came in for the, to the field and he asked his brother, could you just give me something to eat? I'm at death's door, basically. I need this food. And his brother, being the trickster that he was, asked him, in order for me to do this, you must promise me to give you your birthright. And it talks about the Esau hated his birthright. So he gave him his birthright. Isaac fed him and he went away. Now we're in chapter 27. So in chapter 27, what you see is this. Now Isaac has gotten old and it talks about many references in the Bible when one's eyes become dim. It's based on age and it can't see so well. And he started to predict that, you know what, his death was going to be coming pretty soon. So he brought in his favorite child and in his favorite child, Esau, he told him to go out with your bow and arrow and retrieve me some venison. Bring back the venison so that I may bless you. So Esau did exactly what he was instructed to do. But meantime, while he gave this instruction, his wife, Rebecca, overheard the conversation. And not favoring her son Esau. And it goes back to the end of chapter 26 when you realize that Esau married from the wrong people. He married a foreigner and she never really sat well. And it really didn't sit well with either Isaac or Rebecca. So she didn't really favor him because of that choice. So here it is now. Isaac has the opportunity to receive the blessing in a convenient, deceitful way. Rebecca goes to Isaac and she tells Isaac that your father just sent your brother out. For this blessing, but you're going to go retrieve me two sheep and I'm going to prepare this meat that he wants. And then you're going to present it to him. And Jacob, Isaac was uh, Jacob was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And he, he told, yes, I am. He said, because he's going to know the difference, because when they were born back in chapter 25, you'll see that one had skin that was red and was hairy. And the other one had smooth skin. You know, one looked like a person that is acting out there hunting and fitting, doing stuff like that. And the other one was some more conservative. So he knew that there was going to be a difference that his father would know that there was a difference. She told him, don't worry about it. It. So what she did, she prepared the meat after he brought it back. After she prepared the meat, she put clothes on him. She put stuff on his hand that would kind of deceive the father if he would touch him. So he goes into his father with this meat. His dad asks the question, why or how did you come back so fast with this food? And he pretty much doesn't say much to why. And they say, oh, and that's not true. He says that God helped him do it. So he, that was what his first lie. And then he, when they were in the room, he presented himself as Esau. This is your son, your oldest son. So he lied from the beginning to the end of this conversation. And Jacob, you could tell, not Jake, Jacob just kept lying. And Isaac had some apprehension. He kept trying to check and make sure it was him because he realized that his voice didn't sound right. But the food was there and some things. So what he did was in the beginning, he he told him to come close and he touched his hand. But his mom had already put the stuff on his hand to make it hairy. And he said, OK, that's that's good. And then what he did is he he reached for him and then he kissed him and he could smell the outside. So he knew then that he was dealing with his son Esau, even though it sounded like Jacob. So he proceeded in giving him the blessing. Now, what we need to understand is this. We, we noted or I talked about the birthright that happened. And here we have to understand that the birthright and the blessing not always to be equated. See, birthrights pertain to the inheritance of a father's possession, whereas the patriarch blessings only project what the offspring will obtain in life. See, remember in chapter 25, Esau had already given up his birthright, which he despised. Now, the blessing consists of two invo invocations. The invocations from the blessing was this, the fulfillment of the land and the growth of a great nation. So now here it is. After uh, Jacob does what he does with his father, Isaac, he immediately leaves the scene, they say. 
And as he's leaving, he doesn't pass his brother. He gets out just before his brother returns. His brother returns with the food, the tasty food his dad asked about. He walks in the, in, into the tent. He tells his dad, Dad, I'm back with the food. Sit up. And he talked about it. the way he kind of presented to his dad. You can see he had love and compassion for his dad. And his dad asked him, who is this? And he said, it's Esau. You're Esau. He says, and then they have a conversation and they realize that they have been tricked. The funny thing about Isaac was Isaac didn't say who tricked him. He automatically knew that it was Jacob. And they both cried out in excruciating pain, it seemed like, and, and hurt and dismay based on what had happened. So at this point, I, uh, Esau asked a question. So can you still bless me? Is there any blessing still left? And the funny thing was that once the blessing was out, you couldn't pull it back. So what ended up happening to Esau is Esau ended up getting almost like an anti-blessing that he would be ruled by the sword and that he would come under the authority of his brother and that he would have a yoke on his neck. And that was the blessing that he received from the father, not the blessing that he was supposed to have gotten. So here Esau has both lost his birthright, which is his inheritance to the land and property and to his actual, actual blessing was for him to lead the people. Now, what happened when this when all came about? Now you see a very, very angry Esau. And somewhere in his, in his heart or whatever, he may have voiced it, that his plans was when his father died that he was going to kill his brother. Now, his mom, Rebecca, as deceiving as she was, was amazing. But somehow or another, she heard of or got wind of the plot that he was going to kill the brother. So what she did is, again, deceitful, she went into Isaac, the father, and told Isaac that it would be worthless or my life would be nothing or have no meaning if our son Isaac, which you have blessed, if he were to marry one of the foreign ladies. So can we send him away to my uncle, to my brother Levin's house, that he may find a wife? And Isaac agreed and they sent off uh, Jacob to find a wife. So here we go now. Jacob is going into a foreign land to find a wife. He, he comes to a place, I think it's called Bethel, where he lays down for the night. And they talk about he put these rocks around him and kind of like he was putting something like a, like a pillow to lay down. And he lays down and he sees this vision and this dream. And in this dream, what it talked about was people say it's called Jacob's ladder. And what he saw was angels descending back and forth to heaven, per se. And he saw God sitting at the top. See, Jacob's ladder is best understood as a type of Christ's mediatorial position connecting heaven and earth. And here the promise came from God to Jacob. I mean, to, to Jacob. And the funny thing about it, you will realize that it seemed like he was getting promises, but what he really sought was a blessing. But through all the stuff he did, he could have turned and ran and not been obedient, but he followed the route or the path that God had him to follow. So here it is. Jacob's life became at that point because we knew him to be a trickster. We knew the things he had did. But when he heard the promise of God, that God was going to fulfill the things in him that he had talked about in his grandfather, Abraham. This was a change to Jacob's life. When Jacob had this experience with God, it changed his life. When you, us, me, we all have experience with God, it changes our lives. I'm telling you today, if you can just stand your ground, your blessing is coming if you can keep the faith. See, Jacob's life became indelibly marked by these events. So much so that they eventually superseded his infamous reputation for trickery. If you look at Hosea 12 and 4, it talks about it. 
One theologian noted that the importance of the passage shows that how a place became a shrine because at that time after Jacob received the blessing or after Jacob received the promise, Jacob built like a, a shrine or actually a temple, a little, a little thing, monument of God. Right. And a stone became an altar and a fugitive became a pilgrim. God in his grace revealed himself to Jacob in that place. No matter what you go to, if you trust the Lord, God will meet you where you at. And the things that you need in order to do the things that God has called you to do, he will equip you at that time. So here what happened was after all this happened, he built his altar and Jacob does something that no patriarch ever did. He made a vow to God. And in this vow now, there were some conditional things and God tolerated it because I'm telling you now, even when we go through our times, we can make demands of God and God will tolerate us. And a lot of times, if it's within God's will to get us to the point that we need to go, God will fulfill it. So here was the vow that Jacob made with the Lord. See, the vow requested three provisions from God. God, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. He said, if God will be with me, then guess what? I'll do what you've commanded. He said, if you give me food and clothes and provisions, I'll obey you. And if you return me safely to my father's house, I will obey you. That was his three provisions in order to do what God said. Now, the pledge made by Jacob constitutes three corresponding commitments. The Lord will be my God. Recognition of God's house. And I will give you a tenth. He was going to tithe to God just like his grandfather did. So here now Jacob meets. He, he's on his road. He gets up. He builds his altar. He going on to Laban's house. And when he comes into the city of Lab where Laban's house is at, he notices there a well and he sees all these cattlemen and all these people coming up. And as they're coming up, they're just sitting there with their with their sheep and none of them have fed the sheep or I mean, give the sheep water any provisions. And he's trying to figure out why, because there's some big stone that's in front of the well. And he just don't realize, why don't they just roll the stone away and give the actual uh, sheep some, some some water? So he noticed when he started talking to him, he asked him what's going on. They kind of explain and he gets the gist of it that it takes multiple ones of them to move the stone in order for them to get water. So they wait until many of them come in order to do this. And he also asked them, did they ever heard of a man named Laban? And he told them that Laban didn't live too far away. And by the way, his daughter, Rachel, would be coming with the sheep pretty soon because she was a shepherdess. So at this time, what happens is Jacob is sitting there. He sees Rachel coming. He runs up to her. He kisses her. He removes the actual stone and in removing the stone, they are able to water the actual or give the uh, sheep's water. And then he goes on to Rachel as she runs back to her father and proclaims that he is there. So Laban meets uh, Jacob and when he meets Jacob, they come to some type of agreement because realize Jacob was not a slave and Jacob really wasn't a servant. So they came into an agreement about what they were going to do. They have a work for you, but I have some provisions. And he asked them, what is it that you want? He says, I want your daughter, Rachel, in marriage. And he told him that I'll work for seven years to get her. And here it is when he gets back exactly what he gave out. God will not be mocked. The things that we do, we shall get back. So here it is in this time. He tells them, listen, I will work for seven years to get Rachel. So he worked hard for seven years. It talks about the time flew by because he was in love with Rachel. She was beautiful to look at. And it talked about her sister Leah on the other hand has eyes that look kind of dim, which meant that in a sense she was not the same as Leah, uh, as, as Rachel. There was a difference between the two. So here it is after seven years. He completes and he asked the question immediately. Hey, give me uh, Rachel to marry. And he tells him, Laban says, I got you. 
So they prepare, they prepare the wedding ceremony. And it talks about they must have had a veil back in those days. And she probably kept the veil on to the entire ceremony, even until she came into the marital chamber. And he ended up laying with his wife, which he thought was Rachel. And in that, he ended up laying with Leah. Because in their culture and their custom, if you go back and look at that time and age, it was not right for them to give away their younger daughter before their older daughter. When this happened, he became, Jacob became very upset and angry. And he went to his father. He went to Laban and said to her father, said, why did you do this? And he explained that this is not what you said. And he said he wanted to marry Rachel. So he said, OK, I'll give you Rachel, but you got to work for me seven more years. And he agreed upon this. Listen, in the midst of his trouble, he could have gave up and walked away. But he stood his ground because he knew the blessings of God was coming if he could keep the faith. So here it is now. He works for seven more years and he's there doing the things he needs to do. He's he's just doing a wonderful work there. And when in the same time in this process, it talks about how many kids he had, 12 sons and a daughter named Dina. And it talks about how these all came from his wives and his handmaids that he was given. Right. And you'll realize that the relationship between Leah and Jacob was bad in the sense that Leah kept having kids in order to win her husband's hearts. And it was so funny as she started to name her children in certain ways in order to represent how she felt about the relationship between her husband. So it goes on that they have all these kids and it gets to a point that Jacob decides it's time for him to move on, to go back because God told him to get his stuff and to return. His mom didn't send for him, but God told him to return. So in this, he asked for some of the work or some of the stuff he had done, how he had prospered Laban since he had been there. So in this prosperity, he asked Laban, how can we come up with agreement of how to split these animals? And Laban, they came up with an agreement and Laban kind of cheated and went out and grabbed some of the best animals in the beginning and took them far enough away. But this young man, Jacob, was very creative and he did this thing and it talks about it, it was kind of superstitious how he put these rods down and he brought the animals up and he mated them a certain way. And whatever, however, he mated them, the ones that came out were the healthy and the strong ones and the other ones that were weak. He gave away because the promise was the ones that had spots or speckles, those are the ones he got to keep. And the other ones went to Laban. Right. So he kept all these, kept all these. And when at the end, he had almost all the healthy animals and Laban had nothing and his sons were in despair. So at this point, Jacob decides to collect all his family after a conversation with his wives and told them that, look, here, we're going to leave. And his wives agreed and they pack up all his people and all his stuff. At this point, he had great wealth and he makes his return back home. So as he gets back home, he sends out a messenger to send some things out to his brother Esau because he's still worried about what Esau had said to him years ago, that he was going to kill him. If he had the opportunity, based on the fact he not only had his birthright, but he had his blessings. The messenger returns and tells him that Esau is on his way with him with 400 men. And Jacob at the time has no weapons. So he devises a plan. And in this plan, he divides up his family into two different sets. And then what he does, which is really interesting. Uh, before he does all this, he, he divides them up in two different sets. But before he does this, Laban tracks him down after seven days, realizing he had left. And he came to him and God told him that you might not want to do anything to this young man because God's hand was on him. So Laban sat down and they came up with an agreement of peace and Laban left in peace. But now he had to cross over. So he sends over the messenger. He sends gifts and stuff to his brother Esau to let him know that he loved him and that he came and he was real humble. And he called him master as if he was going to come under the authority of Esau. So here it is. He sends away these sends these sheep and goats and he sends all these camels to his to his actual to his uh, brother. 
And then he realizes he's going to send his family in two different ways. Like, I'm going to send them here. So if they were to destroy this one, the other section would leave. So it comes a time as he sends them away that Jacob is sitting at the bank by himself on the other side of the river. And he encounters a man. And it just seems all of a sudden he encounters this man. And when he encounters this man, it talks about how they automatically start to wrestle. So what I'm going to do right here, I'm going to talk about Genesis. If you have your Bibles, Genesis 22, Genesis 32, 24 through 30. I'm going to read these scriptures because this is important. And Jacob was left alone and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And he wrestled with him and he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let you go except thy bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, his name was Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For a priest has thou power with God and with men and has prevailed. And Jacob asked him again, basically, and said, tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, and for I have seen God's face to face, and my life was preserved. So in this battle, or in this wrestling match, he realized he was wrestling with some type of deity or something, and he would not let him go. He realized the blessing was in holding on to what he was going through. Even though it was a struggle, he held on to it with his might. And it seemed like the person he was holding on couldn't prevail against him. But he knew it was fighting a de deity. And you realize he understood that he could have been died. He could have died in this situation. And really, it was almost an illusion that he had control. But because of his faithfulness and because of the ability to hold on to what God was going to give to him, he got the promise and the blessing. It talks about he hollowed out his thigh and he touched it and he became hurting. But after that, he still continued to hold on. Sometimes we go through things in our lives that don't seem comfortable. That We come out of us with some battle scars. But if we could just hold on to the word of God, the blessing is going to come. Sometimes the battle is not so much what we need to understand. It's just standing our ground in the process. So here it is. Jacob, he stood his ground and the Lord blessed him. If you look at all the other ones before, what God was doing was he was reiterating to him the promise that he had given to Abraham. He was promising that to him. But in this situation, it talks about he was going to receive the blessing of God. See, the early narratives have implied that Jacob is already the recipient of the Lord's blessing. But it is explicitly stated for the first time that God blessed him. See, this experience provided Jacob and his descendants the confirmation of God's blessing. Some believe that the significance of the imagery is this. The old Adam has been shaken off. Jacob stays behind on the, the bank of the river. And a new man, steeled and masked, Israel, has developed and he is continuing his journey of the other bank. See, what happens when we stand our ground, we understand when doing that in the faith, that sometimes the old man that we used to be sometimes disappear as we get closer to God. We have to stand our ground so God can remove the things in us and take us through the things we need to go through in order to fulfill the purpose that God has put in us. We are purpose driven people. The things that we do are not from circumstance. We do the things because we are trying to make sure that everybody that exists in this world today can hear about the same Jesus, you know, that everybody can come into the love of God and that we as believers can live a life that is so well lived that even though we're not perfect, God will hide our sins in the sense of the things that we do 
inadvertently in order to make sure that we can win the loss to him. See, Romans 8 and 28 tells us that we know that God makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are chosen to be a part of his plan. See, none of us are perfect. We know this in Romans 3.23. It says, for we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, Jacob is a reflection of most of us. But if we could just stand our ground in the faith, our blessing will come. Blessings of joy and blessings of peace and blessings of love and patience. And more important, the blessings and the ability to do, do the work of God. What I'm telling you, saints of God, is regardless of what you see and regardless of what you go through, stand your ground. Regardless of how hard and painful sometimes it is, God is doing a work in you and he will do it into completion. And it is part of the maturity process to get you where he needs you to be to do the work. When I was younger, God could not have pulled me out at 16 to do the things I'm doing now at 50. I had to go through the process. I had to be seasoned. I had to have some pains. I had to have some sorrows. And for God to use me today, you, me, all of us have to go through something so God can use us in the totality or in his totality where he wants to use us at. But you got to submit yourself. You got to stand your ground. You cannot turn your back. You got to walk towards the Lord regardless of what you see and regardless of what you feel. We have to stand our ground. Your blessing is coming if you could just keep your faith in God. Don't look at anything. Just look at God, knowing that God has a plan and purpose for your life. We know that all things are working together for the good of those who love the Lord. We know that God has a plan and purpose for our lives. We have to just stand our ground in the word of God and make sure that we trust God above anything that we see, hear and or feel. Just like Jacob. None of us are perfect. Most of us have done deceitful things in our lives. Just like me, I'm way from perfect. I'm not even qualified. But God uses an imperfect vessel to do his will. God can use you just like he used me. And if you don't know the Lord today, believe me, you have purpose. Everything that you have experienced in your life has been for a reason. No one born today was not born with a purpose that God put in them. It is our responsibility and our obligation to get to know God and that purpose he has for us. Just like when they were born, God talked about what was going to happen. And it happened as God said it in the sense of the younger one would rule over the older. It was already said there are things that God before you were ever born have instilled in you or had in you to do. It is our job to make sure that we do those things. What we find sometime in the ministry was so interesting in most ministries, a lot of ministries are limping around. They they cannot get the work of God done because one person or two people or 10 people in the ministry think that they are not important or that their thing that they can give to the ministry will not benefit the ministry. But they don't realize the significance in that one little thing as part of the body. They could be the pinky toe and that pinky toe becomes very important when you try to keep your balance. Sometimes in our ministries, the pinky toes are not stepping into their place because they don't think that they're significant because they're imperfect and then God can't use them. But the devil is a lie. God can use each and every one of us if we step into the place that God has called us to walk in. I come here to encourage you today, saints of God, that no matter what you've done, you're worthy because God made you worthy. When Jesus died on the cross and he established that relationship between us back and the father, it is not based on what we do. It's based on what he did. Is based on his death, burial and resurrection and through his blood that we are now righteous in the sight of God. If we follow and believe Christ, I'm telling you today, saints of God, stand your ground. Your blessing is coming if you keep your faith. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank and I praise you today for what you have done.
and what you're doing in our lives. Lord, use us as vessels to do your work, Lord God. Bless us, Lord God, and equip us like you've always done, Lord God, with the confidence and the ability to stand our ground in the midst of situations, knowing that even though we may be imperfect, Lord God, that you will use imperfect people, Lord God, to do your perfect will. Lord, today we honor you, Lord God, with our whole substance of our bodies, our mind, our souls, Lord God. From the top of our head to the soles of our feet, we submit ourselves, our ways, ideals, everything to you, Lord God, that you may use us for your kingdom. Lord, bless us to be mouthpiece for you. Bless us to be examples for others, Lord God, that when they see us, they see the Christ in us as a representation of who you are. Lord, I give you the honor and glory, Lord God, for everybody under the sound of my voice. If there's anybody that's sick, Lord God, I ask you that you heal them, Lord God, that by your stripes that they are healed, Lord God, that you cover them in the blood, Lord God. I think and I praise you by anybody under the sound of my voice, Lord God, that feels that they're unworthy, Lord God. Let them know, Lord God, if they have Jesus Christ, Lord God, if they believe in your son, Lord God, through his death, burial, and resurrection, we are now worthy under him, Lord God, not by our own being, Lord God, but because of what he did for us. Lord, I think and I praise you, Lord God, that those people that find themselves in situations, they think they can't serve you because they're not perfect. Let them know, Lord God, that in our lives or in the history of your word, Lord God, it shows many imperfect people that did amazing and wonderful things in your word. Lord, I just give you the honor and glory today, Lord God. Give peace to people that need peace. Give direction to those people that seek direction. Give wisdom to everybody on the center of my voice, Lord God, and lead and guide us all in the way that you would have us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you don't know the Lord today as your personal Savior, and you want to be able to stand your ground and understand your blessings are coming because you have kept the faith. This is a great opportunity to meet my friend Jesus, someone that died for us on the cross, that was talked about back in Genesis, that he was going to come and that he was going to redeem us back to the Father. And that he did. He came through as a man on earth, God as a man, and he died on the cross. He rose again that we could be saved. He took death out. Of, he took the death or the sting of death and defeated death. And he gave us the opportunity to be in fellowship with the Father once again. If you want to be in fellowship with God today, if you want to know him as your Lord and Savior, if you want to know the peace that passes all understanding, if you want to know what it means to walk in the blessings and the authority of God. I'm telling you, it's a great day to meet my Savior, Jesus. So if you'd like to know Jesus today, repeat that to me. Father God, I'm a sinner in need of your forgiveness. Lord, I believe your son Jesus died on the cross and rose again for me. He shed blood for me that I may be saved. Lord, I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all that I have done. And Lord, I submit myself to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you would like uh, to give an offering, a donation or tithes, uh, please visit our website at www.wotm.net. We'd like to thank you here at Word of Truth Ministry for uh, helping to build the, uh, the kingdom of God to give us the ability to do the thing as God has called us to do. Now, before I go on, like we always do, I'm going to call my boo up, my boo, and we matching today, y'all, me and my boo matching. I just want y'all to know this is my boo, my baby mama, my girly girl. Been with this girl for 35 years. I know I only look about 38, but I've been with her since I was a baby, right? So this yes. is my baby here. So, mama, you got any announcements? Yes, I do. First, I'd like to say, hi, everyone. We love you and stand your ground. What a wonderful message from Pastor Marcus. Stand your ground, keep your faith, and know that you have purpose. Amen? Amen. And as always, on Mondays from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m., we fast for love, unity around the nation. And if you have any prayer requests, mm -hmm. please put them mm -hmm. in the comments below. But know mm -hmm. that we're standing in agreement at the Word of Truth, praying for each of you. Amen. And we would like to say thank you to all who were able to join us on yesterday 
for A Mother's Voice, Why We Worry. And please join us next week, August 1st, for part two. We will discuss returning to school during COVID-19 and the three L's to parenting. And last but not least, we would like to give a special shout out to our assistant pastors, Elder Larry and Nikita Thompson on their 29th wedding anniversary. We love you guys. We appreciate you and continue to be God's um, voice to those that are married and unmarried. You are loved. Amen. So also, I'm telling you right now, I watched the ladies uh, thing yesterday and I was disappointed for one reason. Because I was listening to it and I was like, okay, oh, it stopped. I was hungry. I was like, no, 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 give me the rest. Give me the rest. So I'm telling you right now, if, you, if you've seen it or if you haven't seen it, look at the first half of it. And the second half is going to come out. I promise you, if you watch the first half, you're going to be anticipating the second half because it was good stuff. As a matter of fact, Amen. I'm telling you right now, I, 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 I'm going to be watching next week because I, I want to know how they feel about, especially women of God, when it talks yes. about children going back to school and the coronavirus. I want to understand what they think and how they feel because I'm telling you right now, the first part was amazing. It was dynamic. It was a blessing. So also what I want to remind you guys of coming August the 8th, the Minister Standard, oh, we're going to have our Zoom meeting as well. Please come out. It's going to be between Amen. 12 and 1. It's going to be amazing. we got some great uh, people that's going to be there. Matter of fact, some people jumped in on this thing because they heard about it. It was only supposed to be around probably about six or seven of us, but maybe nine of us because there was another bishop that said, I want to get in this. So God bless. We're going to just have some conversations about how it what it means to be a man. We, we have a title for it, and we're going to just run with this thing and allow God to move and operate so each and every man that can hear it may help you in some shape or form. So again, we just thank you and thank everybody for coming out. We just got, we have everybody the honor and glory for another opportunity to worship, worship God with you all. And like we always say here, the word of truth ministry, as we always say it, we want you to stay encouraged, encouraged, regardless of what you see, regardless of what you hear, regardless of your circumstance. Just understand if you stand your ground, stand your ground, your blessing is coming if you have faith in the Lord, right? Be encouraged and know and encourage others with your life. God bless you, and we hope to see you next Wednesday. Be blessed. Be blessed.